0: You know, when you review the story of Jesus' crucifixion and death, of course it was a time of great disappointment for the disciples because for three and a half years they had followed this man, Jesus, firmly believing that he was the Messiah, the promised one from the Old Testament. The one who was going to reestablish Israel as the greatest country in the world. And he was going to defeat the Roman forces that were there. And uh, Israel was once again going to become a blessing for the whole world. And the people of Israel were ready to rejoice and to celebrate. But as the story went on, the the, uh, path of the story took a sudden twist and jesus was taken prisoner he was interrogated tortured and finally crucified on the cross and i can imagine that the apostles were just aghast as they saw his dead limp body taken down from the cross and then put into a tomb and then the officials you know closed the tomb put a big stone in front of it a heavy stone The tomb was sealed and furthermore, guards were put at Jesus' tomb because the Jewish officials were aware of the story that they heard about Jesus claiming to be able to come out of the tomb in three days. And they thought, well, obviously that can't happen, but maybe his apostles will try to steal the body and make it look like he rose from the dead. So to ensure that that didn't happen. The Jewish officials had guards placed around the tomb and to stay there for a number of days to make sure that it wasn't going to happen. So you can imagine the apostles feeling that all the hope, all that they were looking forward to with this Messiah now being on the scene. He had just come into Jerusalem proclaiming to be king and the people were worshiping him with palm branches and now this happened. And I can imagine that they were just depressed and discouraged and there was a certain closure when the tomb was sealed and they realized, you know what, it's over. All that we had hoped for, all that we had planned for has now come to an end. You know, we don't like it when something is closed. You know, over this COVID thing, I can remember going to different restaurants with the hope of getting some food there. And there was a sign on the door saying closed due to COVID. How disappointing. How discouraging. We don't like anything to be closed. We didn't like it when churches were closed because of COVID-19. You know, the decision that was made that there's going to be no assemblies and starting back in last February, was it? And going for several months. The church was closed, how depressing that was. So when Jesus' tomb was closed, reality set in for the disciples. It's all over. The man we believed was the promised Messiah is now dead and buried. We didn't see that coming. They started to scatter, the apostles did, afraid that the Jewish and Roman officials would come after them as well, because they were followers of Jesus. Some of them started thinking about going back to the fishing business or whatever other job they had because the kingdom of God seems to be over with for now. It isn't gonna happen. But the meaning of Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is that God is not limited by things that we think are final. You know, as she just told the story about the women coming to the tomb, not even considering how they were gonna move the stone away But when they got there, it was moved because God had intervened, God had performed a miracle. On Sunday morning, the women found the tomb was no longer closed, it was wide open. There had been a severe earthquake when you read some of the other uh, gospel accounts. And the heavy stone blocking the entrance to the tomb was taken away by a powerful angel. And it said that the armed guards who witnessed this whole event were as dead men ready to be taken away to the mental ward because they could not believe what they had seen and they were so frightened by it. You know, there are things that we experience in this life that are discouraging and overwhelming. The results of which appear to be final, like that closed sign. (laughs) There's no hope for things to be solved or fixed. Someone has hung up the closed sign in our life But the lesson that we're learning from this whole episode is that, you know, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's a day of miracles. And I'd like to talk about four different things that we can experience in this life where things seem final. Things seem like there's no hope. It's closed. In other words, the closed sign has been placed on it. But Jesus' resurrection from the dead proved that nothing is final with God. There is always hope. And the first subject that I'd like to talk about just briefly is the subject of death. Now, the apostles thought that Jesus was dead and dead to remain dead. Even though Jesus had told them several times that the Messiah was going to die, but on the third day he would rise again and come back to life. It's, it's like that didn't sink in with them or they didn't believe it. They'd never experienced anything like that before so they thought it was impossible. You know, we encounter death in our lives too, don't we? We all have had loved ones who have died. And when somebody dies and the casket is closed and the, the tomb is sealed or the uh, burial site is filled in with dirt That seems final, doesn't it? It seems like somebody has put the closed sign on that person's life. There's nothing you can do to bring them back. Their life is over. (laughs) All that's left is the grieving. Your mind is filled with memories and maybe questions about why they died or how could this happen. It's very hard. But the lesson of the open tomb is that Jesus was demonstrating what will eventually happen to the dead. Not only to Himself, but to all of us. That there is life after death and there is coming a resurrection from the dead. That's one of the lessons that we learn from the open tomb of Jesus. He's dead no more. And the dead will be raised back to life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you ever have doubts in your mind, well, is there such a thing as the resurrection from the dead? The resurrection of Jesus affirms it and proves it to us. It's an example of what's going to happen to us eventually. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Believe it. Have faith in it. Have confidence in it. It did happen. Now, notice he says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we know that we're all going to die someday. It's just part of being human. You live so many years. Some people live into their hundreds. Some people die very young. But we're going to be resurrected from the dead. And Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead, of those who have fallen asleep. So he was to come number one. To be raised to eternal life. He goes on to say in verse 21, For since death came through a man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. He was the first one who sinned and brought on a death penalty. So for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus Christ. Fully God and fully man. He says, For as in Adam all die... So in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, his second coming, those who belong to him. So the open tomb proves what? That Jesus' word is true. That he came back to life from the dead, showing us what's going to happen to ourselves and to our loved ones. Let's pick it up in verse 42 he goes on to say this so will it be with the resurrection of the dead the body that is sown the body that is buried is perishable it is raised imperishable it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body. So we're talking here about those who are in Christ. And that's an important phrase. Those who have accepted Jesus as their personal savior. Those who live in a relationship with him. This is what's going to happen to us eventually. Jesus set the example for us. Let's notice in verse 51. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep In other words, some of us will be dead at the time, and some Christians will still be alive. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So we believe in a savior who not only has the power over death, he said in the scripture that he is the resurrection and the life. He is the one who has the power to bring our dead bodies back to life and he will do that and you know what? It's going to be a different kind of life for us at that time no longer will be, will we be made of physical stuff that can die and, and perish we're going to be made of something different we're going to be glorified like he is glorified right now so he rose from the tomb glorified he was changed he was different so when we're raised from the dead we're not going to have our same old body again we're gonna have something much better. And you know, what are we going to, going to look like? We don't know. What age will we be in the resurrection? You know, I've heard people say, well, when I come back, I, I hope I look like I'm 20 or I look like I'm 25 or 30. I don't know. We're gonna look good, I can tell you that much. We're gonna be able to identify one another and we're gonna look our best. You know, now today, before coming to church, we got to kind of scrape ourselves together and look in the mirror and try to make a look ourselves, make ourselves look as acceptable as possible with all of the, you know, moisturizer and the, you know, hair products and the whatever clothing we choose to wear. It's not going to be like that in the future. We're going to look great. We're going to feel great. God is going to bring us back to life from the dead. And it's going to be a different kind of life at that time. How do we know? How can we be sure that that's going to happen? Jesus was the first fruits. He was the forerunner. He was the one leading the troop. He was the one showing us what's going to happen to us. And we can see by looking at what happened to him. So that's the first thing that seems closed where there's no hope. Death. The death of our loved ones. Our own death. If uh, time goes on that far in advance before Jesus returns, you and I will come up out of the grave as well. The second area of our lives where things seem broken, things seem closed, things seem like there's no hope, is broken relationships. Broken relationships. How sad it is when relationships break apart and nothing you try can possibly restore them. Have any of you ever experienced a broken relationship in your life? Whether it's marriage, whether it's a family member that you've become cut off from, whether it's a friendship or maybe a coworker at work, it's very stressful when you know you're not getting along with another person, and the relationship gets cut off, and it never is the same as it once was, and nothing you can do, it seems, uh, can restore it. <clears throat> I was sharing with my wife that uh, I was just notified uh, that one of my cousins died and the family was kind of split apart after the parents passed away uh, and it came time for the will to be read one of the cousins did some stuff that was underhanded and he cheated the rest of his brothers and sisters out of the inheritance. I don't know all the details but he became quickly the black sheep of the family. And the rest of the, the, the cousins were very upset and perturbed about what this guy did. They didn't get their inheritance because he somehow stole it. And for the rest of his life, and he just recently died about a week ago, there was no contact amongst the brothers and sisters. And it was really sad. Uh, they could not undo what had been done. There were hurt feelings. Everybody felt a sense of loss. They lost out on their inheritance and they held it against his brother. And you know, there's a lot of family stories like that across our country and around the world. Broken relationships. The lesson of the empty tomb is that Jesus has, first of all, fixed the broken relationship that we had with God. And that's one of the reasons why He came. See, God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to rectify an unfortunate situation. And the unfortunate situation was that we had cut ourselves off from God by sin. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, starting with Adam and Eve, they were at first in relationship with God. God walked with them in the garden. They communed with God. They had a developing relationship with God, but once sin set in, they cut themselves off from God. Remember, the story says that they were hiding from God, if that's possible, which it isn't, but they were so ashamed of their sin and now their nakedness. They had never been ashamed of it before, but that's something that sin does to you. And they were cut off from God. And even though God provided the opportunity for them to do something about it, they couldn't or they refused. And unfortunately, they ended up getting booted out of the Garden of Eden. And all of the blessings that were coming their way turned into curses. And we, to this day, still suffer some of the curses that Adam and Eve had to deal with. You know, about instead of beautiful crops and flowers growing out of the ground, there's weeds and dandelions and, uh, you know, all those nasty things growing. And I think of that every spring when the dandelions start coming up in my lawn, that it's because of sin that I'm dealing with this. But it's unfortunate. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. So you see, God is about reconciliation. We don't feel right when we're cut off in a relationship from somebody else, no matter what the cause may have been. And God doesn't like people being split apart either in relationship. He is all about reconciliation. He sent His Son To pay the penalty that we owed in order for us to be reconciled to him. And it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us now the ministry of reconciliation. So what has happened to us. We heard the gospel and we understand that Jesus Death on the cross, pay the penalty for our sins, if we'll accept that and and we'll believe that. So, great, that's happened to us now. And we're to go forth with a message of reconciliation to others. We're to tell them the good news of what Jesus has done for them, too. And all they have to do is accept Jesus as their Savior, and their death penalty is paid. And they can be reconciled back to God the Father, just as we have been. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, verse 19, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we're to tell them, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's good news. That people can be in the same situation that we're now in. Forgiven of our sins and back in relationship with God in spite of our sins. We've been reconciled. But you know what? We have been given the wherewithal now through the Holy Spirit to heal split relationships. Turn to Romans 12 verse 16 that's why we're told in the Bible that if anything ever happens between ourselves and another person, an offense, a misunderstanding, we should go to them and apologize for something we've done wrong. Or if they're the ones who, who caused the broken relationship, we're to forgive. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12 verse 16, Romans 12 verse 16, listen to this advice. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be content with broken relationships. Take the first step to try to mend things and to reconcile yourself to to someone else. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, because sometimes pride causes broken relationships. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Because sometimes that causes broken relationships, especially in a marriage. Verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So peace has already been restored between you and God. So now, take that peace that you have been given through the Holy Spirit and share it with others. Do your best to maintain good relationships with others. Now, chances are you're not going to be able to be real chummy with everybody, but at least be Christian toward them. And when it comes to relationships, whether it's friendships, co-workers, marriage, family, relatives, so on and so forth, The Holy Spirit has given you the wherewithal to live in peace and harmony with everyone. And you know what? When the time comes for us to receive our eternal reward, there's going to be peace and harmony in heaven, I guarantee you. We're not going to have broken relationships in heaven because we're going to be so focused on God, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we're going to be so tied into them and in tune with them that we're not going to have room in our lives for pride or being conceited or whatever else may cause broken relationships. So that's something to look forward to. And that's a lesson from the open tomb of Jesus Christ. Okay. Broken relationships, all broken relationships will be healed at that time. And I think one of the ways that it will be healed is Now, this is my personal opinion, but I think when we get to heaven, we're not going to remember a lot of beefs that we had with people and arguments that we had with people. You know, when we get to heaven, when we receive our eternal reward, I don't think God is going to have to go through counseling sessions with all of us. Okay, you 2 I'm going to get you together here now and try to solve this problem. No, I think we're just going to forget about a lot of what has happened in this world and the problems that we had and the disagreements that we had. And everything is just going to be so very positive and unifying and harmonious in heaven that we're all going to get along with one another. It's going to be happy times, okay? A third area, we've looked at the area of death, that the open tomb has proved that death is going to come to an end. Broken relationships are going to come to an end. And the third area is pain and suffering. That's something that we all experience in this life. If you haven't yet, just hang around, you will. <laughs> get a little bit older and start to feel some of the aches and pains of being a senior citizen. And uh, that's why I said I appreciate every Sunday when you're, you're here, because I know it took effort to get yourself going in the morning. I'm a senior citizen now too, so I know what it's like. And it's an effort that you've got to put for, forth to get things done in any given day and it's appreciated that you're here at church because in spite of pain and suffering, uh, you're here. So today, physical, emotional, and psychological pain seems endless for so many. Hospitals, nursing homes, mental institutions are filled with people who see no hope of being totally healthy again. Their condition is a closed door. And you know how it is, and I know I've reached that point in my life too, where you have certain physical problems, or maybe you're dealing with a disease. And you realize, you know what, I may have to deal with this for the rest of my life. It may, just may never go away. You know, I certainly ask God's help, and, but I seek His will in everything. And like Paul did with the thorn in the flesh, he came to realize that whatever this is, and he didn't tell us exactly what it was, it looks like I'm going to have to deal with it for the rest of my life. And God told Paul, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take away the thorn in the flesh right now. Uh, I've given you everything you need. So with my strength, you'll be able to deal with it. So the older you get, you start to see problems like that. And When you're younger, you know, you, you have an injury and you bounce back pretty quick. Or you have a sickness and you get well pretty quick. The older you get when those things happen to you, it takes longer to get back with it. It takes longer to get your strength back. It takes longer for healing to come. And you just have to bear down. The lesson of the open tomb is that God has provided a future for us when all pain, suffering, and disease will be eradicated totally. And that's something we look forward to. Jesus gave us a preview of that by healing people during His time on earth So we can read those stories and they're encouraging, but they were just a precursor of what is going to happen in the future. When Jesus returns and our change takes place, there's not gonna be any more pain or suffering. There's not gonna be any pain or suffering, whether it's physical pain, mental anguish, emotional trouble, that is all going to be totally wiped away. Can you imagine? what that is going to be like. Back here in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 and verse 4, the Old Testament prophet got a glimpse of this. He was talking about Jesus' death on the cross and what it was going to mean for mankind as a whole. He says this, Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely He Jesus, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows and he did he did do that all of his passion and suffering and death he was carrying all of our sorrows with him all of our infirmities yet we consider him stricken by God smitten by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities that punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Now as we struggle through life with our afflictions and our sickness and disease, we call on God's mercy that He will heal us, that He will intervene and and make us feel better. Now we can't demand that of God because we pray that His will be done and His will is always best and perfect. But this prophecy will be fulfilled totally when our change comes. And we will always look back to Jesus' death on the cross and His suffering and realize that for eternity we're going to live totally healthy because of Him. Because He carried our iniquities and by His stripes we were healed. By His wounds we were healed. And I really love the the scripture in Revelation 21 verses 4 and through 6, that talks, gives us a little glimmer of what life is going to be like at that time. John, the apostle, says this in Revelation 21, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. So our future is sealed. (laughs) It is sure. It is certain. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. So we look forward to a time when all of the physical problems, the mental and emotional problems we struggled with in this life are going to come to an end. All of the things that we thought of as a closed sign, there's, there's no hope. I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. All of that is going to be taken away because of the empty tomb. Jesus proved that he has power, he has authority over all of those things that we've dealt with in this life. He paid the price so that they will be taken away. In the the meantime, we're still struggling. We know that God is there with us. He strengthens us day to day. But as long as we're physical, we're still struggling with some of these issues in our life. So we've seen that the empty tomb proves that death is not the end. It proves that broken relationships are not the end. Pain and suffering is not the the end. And the fourth and final area of our lives is sin. Sometimes we struggle with certain sins. You know, some of us have struggled with sins over the years, certain weaknesses, maybe certain addictions, whatever the case may be. And to us, when it comes to sin, it's like that is the closed sign we can't overcome this we're struggling with it it seems hopeless is there any hope for us well not only has jesus rescued us from the penalty of sin but the time is coming when there will be no more sin can you imagine that there will be no more sin no longer will we have to battle satan because he won't be on the scene anymore No longer will we have to battle the pulls of this foreign world that we live in. A fallen world, I should say. And no longer will we have to fight our own human nature. Those are the three ways that we get tempted to sin. Satan, this world around us (laughs) with all the pulls in the wrong direction. And we're surrounded by it. And thirdly, our own human nature. The weakness of our own human nature. Because when our change comes, we'll no longer have human nature, fallen nature. We're just going to have God's nature. Our sanctification at that time will be complete. We will have been transformed totally into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're in the process right now, and we're still fighting. We're trying to use God's nature, the Holy Spirit and fight our human nature. Sometimes we win battles, sometimes we lose battles, but the time is coming when our transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ will be complete. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? I can't because I've never lived that fully in God's nature. All my life I've had human nature. God's nature was injected to me when I was baptized and I received the Holy Spirit. But there's still that battle going on. We have some good days, we have some bad days. The lesson of the open tomb is that just as Jesus was freed from the bondage of death, we will be freed from the bondage of sin. As it says in Hebrews, sin which so easily besets us. Even as Christians, we still struggle. Here in uh, Revelation 21, verse 27. It talks about our existence at that time, after our change takes place, living in God's Kingdom for eternity with Him. It's talking about that place, if it's centered in Jerusalem, if it's centered on this earth, or it's centered in heaven. Verse 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So can you imagine a time when there's no longer any temptation to sin? We're all just living totally the right way. And it's by God's grace and God's glory that that is going to happen. We haven't experienced that yet. We're still struggling. But the lesson of the open tomb is that time is coming. And we moan, as the scripture says, for that time to arrive. We moan as we suffer and as we, we struggle to get along, looking forward with with all hope and anticipation for Jesus' return, our change to take place. When Jesus came out of the tomb, it was proof that it is going to happen. One last scripture in James chapter five. What do we do in the meantime? James chapter 5, verse 7, this is the the wisdom, this is the instruction, this is the advice we're given as we wait for this time longingly that there will no longer be any death, no more broken relationships, no more pain and suffering, no more sin, everything will be healed, everything will be good, everything will be pleasing in God's sight. So until that time comes, James says in James 5, verse 7, Be patient. (laughs) It's easy to say. Be patient. How long can we struggle? God will give us the strength to do it. Our names are written in the book of life. This is the future that we look forward to that is sure. We can have confidence in it. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So Jesus is ready to return. The exact date, I don't know, and neither do you. Nobody knows except God the Father himself. We're thankful that he's been patient so that we got a chance to get in on salvation before Jesus returned. How much longer it's going to go on, we don't know. But in the meantime, remember the lesson of the open tomb. What did that prove to us? That Jesus is indeed not only the Messiah, but the the Son of God. He is our Savior. And He not only saved us from death, He also is going to bring about the total healing of all relationships. He's gonna remove pain and suffering. And believe it or not, he's also going to remove all sin. It's going to be gone. And we can't begin to imagine what life is going to be like with God for all eternity. We get some glimpses of it. We're encouraged by it. It's coming. It's soon. It's near. In the meantime, be patient and keep your focus where it needs to be and your relationship with God. Don't neglect it. Don't put it off. Pursue it every day. God is good and we love Him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for this word of encouragement today. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it has meaning for us, powerful meaning. We look forward to a time when all of these things are going to be fulfilled. What a wondrous time it's going to be and it's going to go on for all eternity. It's going to be nothing but joy and pleasure and love in relationship with You. So, in the meantime, help us, Father, to get through day by day, strengthen us as we need to be strengthened, and help us to continue to put our focus on you. You're the only one who provides this for us, who made it available, and you held back nothing to make it happen. Your very Son, Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. Father, we love you, and we look forward to the time that this will all be fulfilled. We're anticipating it. In the meantime, keep our focus where it should be, right on you. We love you, Lord. We pray this all now in Jesus' name. Amen.